0: Health, healing, getting out of pain, and performing at your highest levels can be accomplished only when you understand yourself at a very deep level. You see, at Evolve, we preach that evolution of the body, mind, soul, and tribe, well, they're all interconnected, and they're all interwoven. Today's guest is a doctor of physical therapy who takes a really unique approach to rehabilitation and performance training. Welcome to the Evolve podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Joining us, returning from his surgery in Oberlin, Ohio, is the most interesting man that I know, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, (laughs) Miles.
1: I am absolutely glad to be here, Steve. Absolutely glad to be here. We're Flip, excited to have you back. You look
0: light and free. <laughs> you you look like you're carrying less pain with you. Though I gotta say, the 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 last few times we talked, I could feel the pain in your voice, and you just look so much different, so much more vibrant.
1: Well, I must admit, like it was probably five days ago. You know, I had my sister here. She helped out. Then my son came. He helped out. And then when they both left, I was here by myself and I was sitting there and and I just broke down in tears because Mm. like, I'm in no more pain. Yeah. Like I I stood up and literally walked to the kitchen and realized I have no more pain. And I've been carrying this pain for like, you know, six, seven years.
0: Long time, long time. Yeah. 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 well my friend it's good to have you back and good to hear that you are not in pain and somewhere in the mountains of utah i am steve cutler and guys I, we are so fortunate tonight uh tonight's guest is dr danny la martina who's a doctor of physical therapy a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a nationally qualified women's physique competitor danny's also an elite power lifter in the 123 class She's the first to admit that she pushes the envelope when it comes to training, which uniquely allows her to blend uh, principles of rehab and love of all things iron. Creativity, relationships, and trust drive her to empower coaches and athletes with tools and education from a PT who understands the training demands. Danny has a unique background as a clinician who has competed at the highest level in multiple sports and having done so amidst many trials. With years of clinical experience uh, as a physical therapist, her involvement in the iron sports quickly led her to become one of the most trusted names in rehab among injured sport athletes across the country. As a coach, Danny works with a multitude of clients from both training and rehab, and she especially loves working with people who feel like their best might be behind them because she loves to transform and help people when they realize that there is better coming. Dr. Danny Lo welcome to the Evolve Podcast. It's so great to wow. have you.
2: Thank you for having me. I feel like that's like a conglomeration of many bios from across the internet. It's it's always funny coming on podcasts and you look at you kind of hear the story of the footprint that you've made over time. Um, and I think even since that has been updated, I've actually earned my pro card in bodybuilding and hit a higher uh ranking in powerlifting at the All same right. time while building the business and getting other people feeling good it's 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 cool to hear because you don't feel like you're making that much traction until you look back and realize holy cow just kidding i definitely have
0: well hey that's what the evolve podcast is all about is evolving into a better human being and you've obviously evolved from these uh from this bio that's exciting
2: I sure so. <laughs>
0: Well, we're really excited to have you today, and uh, I know Miles had a, a topic that he wanted to kick it off with, uh, and so because he is the recovering hip surgery, <laughs> and we've got a physical therapist on, Miles, why don't you kick us off?
1: Okay, so I've been playing with this idea, and it, it, it hit me when, when I was a personal trainer that when somebody comes to you and they wanna solve the problem of their eating or their fitness, they wanna lose weight, they wanna gain weight, whatever the issue is, they literally almost have to become another person. Mm. It's it's almost like an existential issue because the person that got them to this particular point can't be the same person that's gonna take them to this next level. When you said something, Steve, performing at your highest level, So as trainers, we have to create the idea of that person's better self. It happens as a a musician, you know, I see it with the habits that I have as a musician that to get to another level, I have to become another person, which literally means I have to kill the person who exists now. And I just wanted you your idea your feeling about that because it's obvious you've trained so many people who come to you and they have to become something more to be more so it's sort of an existential issue if that makes any sense
2: it totally does and I'm sitting here and I'm like there's so many directions that we could take this conversation which is really cool you know I think in hearing your ideas which is an awesome idea by the way um I think there are two major ways that that I love to think about this because anytime a client starts working me again, I I tend to kind of collect these people who have had a failed experience with another PT or another coach, and they kind of say, "I need I need like the person that's going to figure out how to fix all the things." Um, and at that point, I kind of give them two options um, without them really knowing it. It's whatever habits have gotten them to where they are are either serving them or they're not. Right. And they can either take that and find almost like a positive about it, um, that those those experiences have showed them something that they need to change or where they need to grow, or they can take it as a negative, is that um, it's almost like, my, my husband said it really well the other day. Sometimes when things hurt, it's a good thing because they encourage you or they kind of push you to do something different.
3: Right. And so
2: there's like, the, there's the the distress versus the you stress approach if you're into the psychological part of things, which is also getting very essential. Um, and so I think that, you know, where we take things with people, whether they're, whether we take it into that stress meaning this was stressful, but it was a good kind of learning experience. Here's how we're going to go forward versus the distress of a, um, basically a negative experience. I think a lot depends on the individual. And I'm sure you guys have worked with people in the past as well, who, whether it's in business and in fitness and in, in music, um, which you mentioned, I saw you rocking out earlier on the, uh, <laughs> the intro, I was like, yeah, I get it, Miles, <laughs> uh, So I think when you meet someone right away, the first time you talk to them, you know, like they've got it, they've got that thing or they kind of have that Mm ho-hum. And I think that's the differentiating factor that, I mean, at least for me, kind of steers the boat just a little bit. But I mean, even along with that, I think we need to address the idea of whether or not it's a fixed belief that they can change or that they can grow. Because a lot of people don't think they can.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the triggers. It's interesting because I used to tell clients all the time, you know, on any given day, I spend an hour with you. When you leave, there's 23 hours of the outside world that if I can't impress upon you for you to stay with me, at least let me stay in your head, that the other 23 hours you are going to be subjected to the rest of the world, all your bad habits and triggers. And so we used to try to come up with systems and ideas of, of creating brand new triggers. And sometimes it failed and sometimes it worked. It, it worked. More often than not, it would fail. And that's when you start to figure out okay, I need other resources to get through this person so they get to see that the thing that, dis, that they dislike the most. It's the thing they want to change. So we got to create a new you, or at least the idea of a new you since that new you doesn't exist right now. So we have to create the idea of you and have you adopt that idea. And as PTs, we can see that the person possesses the potential to do it, but it's like an, an energetic shift. Yes. Like we shift that energy so that they can embody it and go, oh, I can do this. So when you start building things smaller, you know. When you start building things step-by-step in manageable bites, you're more likely to have success. But it took me a lot while to to understand that.
2: Yeah. I think the hard thing, too, is that if you're someone who sees the best in people, um, oftentimes, and I see this in a lot of my other uh, PT clinician friends as well as my personal training friends, we always want people's goals for them more than they want it for themselves. Not always. Often. We want Uh better for them more than they want it. Um, and I think that's a big challenge, but, uh, a phrase that my, my dad actually uses, that's really kind of stuck with me is that inertia requires intent. Oh, and like that, that phrase, <laughs> yeah, right? That cool. that point, I was like, dang dad, that was a big one. Um, but that's something that I've given to a lot of my clients for when they check in with me weekly, if they've had, um. You know, maybe they've had a hard time really getting to where they want to go. They've said they want to grow. They've said they want to do X, Y, and Z. They said they want their life to look a different way. And the best thing that I can remind them to do is that, look, your life is going to be what you create it to be. And our thoughts, the very way we think about things changes our neurochemistry. If you want to change that, if you want to become something more, you have to have the intent. And sometimes the only thing we can control are our thoughts very often that's a very powerful thing too, especially on the neurochemical level. I'm blown away by some of the neuroscience that's coming out with this. I can't keep up with it, but it's empowering. It's empowering to know that we, we change our thoughts, our chemistry changes. Yeah.
0: no, Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. And that, that was one of the things, Danny, I think when you and I initially talked, um, I just, I fell in love with our conversation. I mean, it was so much fun. I went home uh, that night. And I was telling my wife about our conversation because I think that the way you start things out and the way that you approach things uh, essentially comes from that uh, mindset standpoint. You know, you you try to determine where people are at at the beginning. I have to tell just a quick side story to that. I, I went home, I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm really excited. We've got this, my wife's name's Danielle. And I said, we've got another Danny coming on. And I said, "Look at, look at her shoulders. Look at her back." And my <laughs> wife looked at your pictures, and she goes, "Well, yeah, but she's really pretty. Oh, she's oh, she's a really oh. pretty girl." So anyway, <laughs> Danny thinks that Danny is pretty, and I was, I, uh, it, your back, like I want your back and shoulders. That is just it's that, unbelievable that is, the work yeah. that you put in <laughs> is unbelievable. Um, but that aside, your your mindset when it comes to coaching your clients and helping your patients uh, to, to heal and to get to that higher level of performance. You do things a little bit different than what I think a lot of people do, because I've been to physical therapist before when I've been injured and there's a pretty rote program that you go through. If you have a knee issue, if you have a hip issue or you have a shoulder issue, whatever it is, it, it, it's pretty much by the book. You could, uh, you know, throw a dart and you're going to hit the program uh and and yours your methodology is a little bit different can you walk our listeners through when someone comes to you what are some of the first steps that you go through
2: this is a this is a oh my gosh how long i i love what i do um where to start (laughs) so i kind of fell into this by happenstance i did not graduate PT school thinking, I want to work with weightlifting athletes. I want to work in the gym. I want to like, that was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go work in an orthopedic outpatient clinic. I had amazing clinical mentors before PT school. I wanted to go back and work with them and just spend 20, you know, 25 years there. Mm. Um, but at the time I was competing in powerlifting, Um and that was pr- kind of my primary sport. And I was also, I think there were maybe like two or three other PTs within um, kind of that community across the country that really like actually understood competing. Um, and as an athlete, when something comes up and you go, you go, you know, down the street to your local PT, like the clinic board is working, it's kind of like, okay, let's have you hop on the bike in the corner over there and then you do some leg lifts, some sideline abductions, maybe some clamshells. And when you're trying to squat seven, eight hundred pounds like like these guys are, that's not going to cut it. And yeah. so they needed to work yeah. with someone who's actually going to understand their sport demand and didn't meet them with a dichotomy of here's a TheraBand band or you're never going to squat again. And it's always, it was very often kind of one or the other. And so really what I do is it's not, I really want to say it's not that fancy. I just take a lot of the, the science behind best clinical practices. And I apply it to people who just have increased their threshold a little bit. If that makes any sense? So, you know, post-hip surgery, um, if someone's doing squats and lunges to rehab the hip, why don't we look at the mechanics and just get them really strong at squats and lunges for certain things. And so yeah. obviously that's a much more simple approach. I love to get really, really nerdy about the three-dimensional biomechanics and a lot of the, the principles that go into how our nervous system interprets the signals that we get and why it dictates certain muscular output, things like that. Um, I'm a big biomechanics mechanics nerd, <laughs> but really what I do is just kind of take, I tend to collect athletes who have had a not great experience And just want to give them a little bit of hope, especially maybe they think their last big squats behind them or think their last big bench is behind them, or maybe like, you know, I'm done competing, but I just want to be able to play with my kid on the floor or Mm -hmm. I want to be able to go ride a bike with my wife when I'm on vacation. Um, And I, I, I think I just got off on a little tangent. I just want people to have hope. And I think very often when you experience something that confirms a narrative that, I'm gonna back up. I think a lot of our experiences either confirm or deny the belief system that we have, and very often our brain is going to seek confirmation of the current belief system. Yep. And so, if you're hurting, if you have something going on, if you're not sure where where you're going to be, what you're going to be able to do, you know, with regards to capability, not just with like physical ability, but let's go with um, business ventures, let's go with your relationships, let's go with anything. Your experiences are going to confirm that belief system, unless you take the inertia and the intent. To generate the inertia to start to believe something else and really seek that out if that makes sense
0: well it's pretty fascinating when you think about that um everything and i'm like you i, I love the biomechanics of it early on as i was studying i learned that uh obviously like everybody does in basic biology and physiology that the nervous system uh is driven and uh by the brain right uh, everything we do has to start from the brain and that is the the the, the primary driver of the central nervous system so at, if if you're not focused on the right things the right intent the right uh way to do something then you're not going to be able to get the results that you need to because if we're talking about physical movement Physical movement starts by getting the muscles firing the right way uh, in, in certain movement patterns. And so starting with the mind is a really important piece. Mm-hmm. How do you assess where somebody is at mentally before you start to work with them physically?
2: Um, I have a very thorough, I work purely remotely right now, um, okay. which is wild. If anyone had asked if I was gonna be doing this years ago, even remotely, really, uh, no way. Um, I have a very long intake form and, um, I usually get on a call with people and again, I had some great mentoring, uh, prior to PT school. I was actually, I didn't think I wanted to be, wanted to be a PT because I saw, you know, you're walking down the street, everyone gets a bike, everyone gets taken through a couple exercises by a PTA ice pack. They're out. Um, But this clinic really changed how I viewed the ability to walk a healing process with someone in order to walk that healing process, because the brain and the body are so connected. It's so important, as you mentioned, to kind of understand that mindset. So I have a pretty long intake and I get on a call. And I, I think the thing that I really love to do is just actually listen and be willing to ask the one question that you think needs to be asked, even if it's uncomfortable. Do you think your best is actually behind you? Mm. Um, or, you know, maybe there's a different one for that particular person, but I tend to, that just gave me chills.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I get, I literally felt like, huh? I mean, I'm 64 years old and I just said, is my best behind me? I literally got chills. Like I need to sit down and play with that a little bit more. Like, Ooh, <laughs> oh. yeah. That was just like a cold breeze just came through my apartment.
2: Well, I'm not gonna lie. You came on the call tonight, and you have this like glow about you. I really don't think your best is behind you. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs>
0: there is no way so, it is. So yeah, there's no
1: so way it is. I, I'm no, honestly, um, physically, I live like my best is not behind me. Mm-hmm. But just I've never heard it framed that way. It was how you framed it that made me. It just gave me pause, like. I
2: think people don't realize they're chewing on it. I don't think people, re- I think, sorry, I think people do not realize that they're thinking about that in the background, that that's yeah. kind of the background noise of what's going on every day in their life. Have I reached my peak in anything?
1: I think it had, you know what, I, I'm going to throw this out there because as soon as you said that and Steve Steven said something and it made me, it triggered this idea in me. I think on a grand scale without us realizing it, we are still playing out the battle between Newtonian physics, classical physics, and quantum physics.
0: Yes. 100%.
1: Classical physics, Newtonian physics deals with matter, the solidity of matter. And we are talking about fixed mindsets. Uh And quantum physics deals with everything is alive and possibilities are infinite. Mm -hmm. That things have an energy that when they discovered that light waves Light was not just a particle, that it was a wave, and that it had this length and depth about it. And when I listened to people talk, I had a great conversation with this woman in the supermarket today. Um, we were just waiting. Oh, Adopt me, I bug you. <laughs> <laughs> and she was complaining about something, and it was obvious she was a right-wing conservative, and I'm a left-wing liberal, but we started talking about these things and every idea that came out of her mouth was a fixed idea about people, mm. a fixed idea about the government, fixed, fixed ideas. And rather than battle her, I tried to like soften her stance so she can see that these ideas that she had were not fixed. And so when people come to the gym, they have this idea of like, I'm fixed, this is me. And, and, oh. and people who like us understand no, we're gonna play with some quantum things that you're not fixed. Uh-huh. And you can rewire your brain. You can fire. You can create new neural um, uh, neural pathways to create a brand new person that can trigger, like, dormant genes. Yeah, and, and that that blows people's minds, and it's hard for them to grasp, because if you have a fixed mindset or a fixed life, that just sounds like voodoo to you.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh-huh.
0: There honest, is a massive um, difference there. Yeah, I'll, go ahead, I'll be
2: fully transparent. This is something that I have really had a hard time with. And I've had, I'm very lucky that I've had people in my life to kind of kick me in the butt and like move me forward. Um, my traditional mindset um, just with growing up and all the experiences that I had was very safety oriented, which when you're, when you're hardwired for safety and survival, that is a, yeah. that is fixed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my best friend is the most like she's the most forward moving person I've ever known in my entire life. I mean, like, she's all about like, you create your vibe, you create your energy. And to someone who didn't grow up that way and who even as an adult, I just turned 35. And I'm like, this is all new to me. Like I'm figuring out how to do this. It sounded like voodoo. You're so right. And just hearing someone talk about it, I I kind of was like, people actually live this way. That's wild. Um, really starting to embrace it it really is crazy how much different the world can look um when you're outside of that that belief system yeah It's it's so simple when you say it people are like yeah of course dana you think differently the world looks a little different but when you really live it you're like wow that's technicolor yeah
0: It really expands your mind when you do open up to those different ideas. I mean, because like you were talking about, Danny, that you you may not have stayed in or gotten into physical therapy if you would have only been exposed to the old way of doing things. Anybody that's been to physical therapy before knows what it is, right? The the bike, the bands, a couple of things, ice pack, stem, now you're gone, right? And (laughs) that's boring and it doesn't work, quite frankly. We know that it doesn't work. The funny thing is we stick to these beliefs and we stick to these concepts and you know what miles is talking about with newtonian versus the uh quantum uh side of things it can sound to a lot of people like this is just woo-woo stuff but einstein's theory of relativity versus you know newtonian time uh, they're, they're totally different i mean time is relative that's been proven and it, what i teach people when i'm out lecturing to companies Is that uh, as a leader, you have to understand that time is relative to your focus and your energy that you put into something. And so if you, uh, you know, I mean, you could sit there and have an instance where it flies by, or you could have an instance that takes forever. Um, And it's all relative to the focus and the energy that you have. Danny, I know one of the things that you really focus on with clients is helping them to understand that the future is different than what their belief of the past was. Um, when you get a client and you ask that question of, you know, do you believe that your past is behind you or the, 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 um, your best is behind you? What's the first thing that you do if the answer is yes, I do. Yes. I think I'm injured and I can't, you know, squat more or I can't deadlift more. What do you do to start to uh, unravel that? You know
2: how sometimes they will kind of like coerce a toddler into doing something they don't realize they're doing yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. miles does that to me
0: all the time
1: (laughs) i I thought you did that to me
0: (laughs) yeah that's why we're good friends we do it to each other
2: <laughs> um no that, that's a really good question. You know, I on um, so I think about this from two different perspectives, right? There's the psychological kind of human very compassionate perspective where I never want someone to set the bar too low for themselves. That's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that really changes people's lives. And actually my coach mentor Justin Harris is on here with you a couple months ago. Yep. Um and he's someone who really raises the bar and just believes in you in a way that you didn't know you could believe in. Um and I think it's really important that in leadership, we, we do that for people. And anytime you're in a role where you're directing any part of anyone's life, even in your tribe as an equal, mm-hmm. there's still leadership there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so from the psychological kind of compassionate component, I think it's really important to acknowledge that wound, right um, that they're dealing with that they may think something's behind them. Um, you can't you can't leave that pain point unacknowledged. I don't think you can anyway. Um, But from there, it's kind of a question of then you go into the technical side. And I think that's where it becomes really fun to kind of play the game of, well, where's their capability? Where's their threshold? What's their capacity? Like on a raw scale, but then you also have to layer beliefs on top of it. And so there's some really sneaky things that you can do um, just with regards to how uh, a program for uh, for example is put together where people aren't gonna realize what they're doing. until all of a sudden they look back and they're like, wow, I just literally
0: did the thing I told you I was never going to do. And I was like, yeah, I know. That's awesome. It, it almost feels like voodoo to them. they they just they it, it happened, but they don't really know that. You, yeah, when I want to unpack something that you just said, when you talk about that, you need to acknowledge the wound. People don't recognize that if they have a belief that's limiting them, That limiting belief is almost like a scar. It is a wound that needs to be understood first and foremost and acknowledged in order to move on from that. What a profound
3: thought that is. I'm chewing on that one for
2: a while because that, that scar is, I'm going to, again, kind of come back to the brain and the body and how those things are connected. And that's funny, I get to, to podcasts often and i I really love the technical side of things, but for some reason we always end up talking about kind of the more psychological components. And I think yeah. that's because at the end of the day, people are our people. And if you can't walk alongside someone's belief system, the chances that you're going to be able to drive an outcome that's favorable in a direction beyond what they would have imagined for themselves is very small.
1: That's yeah. really interesting what you just said. That's really interesting. Yeah,
3: walk very alongside.
1: Profound. Walk alongside somebody's belief system.
3: Because it helps that's, you to understand where their what their
0: perspective is. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah, yeah it's a very powerful yeah. piece. After you've seen that and you've you've recognized it, what's the what's the next step typically?
2: On a very practical level, yeah, definitely reverse engineering the goals, um, and again, looking at what they can do. Okay, and what's the next like smallest step you can take? I think it's just like anything, and the right. three of us. Before the podcast started and we kind of chuckled about how um at least in my world of fitness i think that you know physical training is of some value but that physical training really cultivates a change in the heart and the mind in the soul um and just like in any other area of growth you, you want to be looking for okay here's my here's my capacity here's my threshold what's the smallest step forward i can take um and if we could take that small step forward and actually make like a little web out of it in multiple regions you know from the pt world i'm going to at Motor control, range of motion, strength, flexibility, whatever, power production. But on a a belief system level, those things have to be matched as well. So I think that's really where, you know, Steve, you asked me earlier, how do I do what I do? And I think it's really just kind of a really trying to be compassionate and soft towards people and understanding that anyone who's dealt with something heavy, you guys have felt heavy things. And you know what it's like when someone actually acknowledges you're in that. It's a lot easier to kind of say, okay, I'm safe here. And when you feel that kind of partnership and that kind of, okay, I'm safe here, I think that's step one to moving forward in almost anything. It's really hard to to encourage someone to grow if they don't first feel like they're in a situation or in a a team or partnership where that can be fostered.
1: And it's interesting you use the word safe. I'm going to play with that a little bit because I'm going to say something that's literally weaved into that, just coming from the perspective of as as an artist. And Steve will understand this too, as a painter. Um, Years ago, when I was playing with being a stand-up comic, I'd noticed something would, I'd get an idea in my head. And in my head, it's full blown, it's got its emotion, it's got its rhythms. Mm -hmm. But when I would write it down, all of that was gone and I was looking at these words and I'd look at the words and go, that just looks fucking, that's just stupid. So So when you say things like creating a safe space, one of the things is that compounds this wound that we're talking about. What compounds it is whenever you're taking a step in a direction that you want to go in, you Mm -hmm. have to invest that step with energy. Yes. Energy is so key to this. So how do you applaud? How do you get somebody to applaud full energy and appreciate that first baby step they take so they can keep adding energy to each step as they build and it's hard sometimes when you're alone because when you're alone you're basically with your negative self and if you don't know how to build energy with each step it's very hard to do
3: yeah i think that's it.
0: Yeah, that's a that, that's an interesting point, and I think that uh, y- you know there's got to be some compassion in there uh, to taking those steps. And Danny, you mentioned something earlier about where you reverse engineer the goals based on what their capacity is. One of the biggest challenges, though, I think, is that when people are in pain, they have a really hard time understanding what their capacity is. You know, I mean, if I yeah, could, well, if I could deadlift, well, like you were saying, if you could deadlift or squat, you know, six seven hundred pounds before and then you get injured and you can't even bend over to tie your shoes. What is the capacity? What is, you know, what can you get back to? That's a really hard thing for people to reverse engineer on their own. So how do you bring hope to that?
2: Um, I'm going to share a little bit of my story here because I think it adds a little bit of credibility. People often assume that that, you know, they see me walk into a gym and they're like, Oh, she, you know, she's probably just been doing this forever. It came super easily to her. Um, there's been no problems, quite the opposite. Um, so big picture a couple years ago, I had a really big injury. They kind of said, we don't know what to do with this. We can't reattach it. And this is like, well, at the time I was ranked to second in the country in my weight class for powerlifting, like wow. whole country. I was top 10 in the world. Um, so this is a really big part of my identity and not only that as a clinician when you sustain an injury like that you kind of go through this little bit of imposter syndrome like, am i as good as i think I am? can i fix this and mm. going through the literature and talking to surgeons everyone kind of said we don't want to tell you good luck i was like okay no problem um i'll figure it out and kind of figure it out um as soon as i got back into training i started to have some medical issues where i had we're still kind of figuring out what's going on um but i had a really Pretty significant um, seizure episode, along with some really weird CNS complications, that for a couple of months it made it really hard for me to walk. Wow. So, over the course of about two years, I went from being one of the best in the world, one of the strongest women in my weight class, like in current, to not being able to fix myself a meal in the kitchen. Um, wow. My husband had to like help me with things. I mean, getting up seriously, like, brush my teeth was like a big deal. Um, and at that point, that's when I thought my best is behind me, which is done. Like I was maybe like 30, um, 29, but you get to a point where you kind of wonder, well, these are two really big things. Doctors still know what's going on. I still have days where I can't feel my legs. Like, what are we doing? Um, and so when I, when I tell people my story and I tell people that you have to understand your capacity first, I say it with the conviction of having been there. I'm not some, you know, PT who sat there and read a bunch of articles and just decided one day she was going to go deadlift and everything's easy. Yeah. Um, th- there's been a lot of internal struggle that's had to figure out what to do with that. Um, since starting to kind of come back from that, when I let go of holding on to things so tightly that it, be- it felt like fragile. There's a great analogy for this. Actually, I was reading the other day. There's the... It, have you ever seen a kid who maybe wants to have a firefly inside a jar? There's something inside a jar that they want to grab and pull their hand out, but yeah. their hand gets stuck. Yeah. And you're like, "Home, you just let go and pull your hand out. We can, have <laughs> and you can have both and fill it with something better." Yeah, I was that kid hanging on to my athletic performance and clinical identity, trying to pull my hand out of the jar. And when I finally let go, was when things started to. I mean, it was mind blowing, but. After that point was when I did my first bodybuilding show, I then turned pro in my second show. I put up a better total and a better Wilkes out squatted myself previously when all the physicians basically told me, girl, you're being lucky to take 135 in your squat again. I took almost 400 pounds after that. Wow. Um, So when I speak my story, when I talk to people who feel like they're not sure what they're, they don't know It's this big gray area in front of them. And the compassion is there because I have suffered within that. I've been in that spot where you have no idea what the next step forward looks like. And the only option you have is to either keep moving forward or accept where you are. And as much as I believe in in compassion, I think the compassion often comes down to not coddling people either and saying, look, like if you want to stay here, that's fine. That's your choice, but it's a choice. And I'm maybe a little bit of a a stickler on that with a lot of my clients and that I don't allow them to stay I don't want all of them to stay there. If they want to stay there, my roster is very limited. They can probably find another PT to work with. My retention rate is very high.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because that must be a hard pill to swallow as a client. Mm -hmm. That just sounds like a hard pill to swallow because one, just the, the mere fact that I'm with you suggests that there's at least a small part of me that believes my best is in front of me. Exactly. Yeah. So if There's I'm faced connection. with the choice of, yeah, if I'm faced with the choice of you telling me like, look, you can stay here. You can stay here. But underneath it, it defeats why you're here with me. So we've got a little conundrum going on here. Exactly. Right? So you have to make up your mind. But if, you, if this is where you think you are, the safest, and you don't want to go further, then I got to kind of let you go. Because the pure fact that you're with me suggests Um, Yeah, but people have to realize
2: that for themselves. People have to realize that they have to realize they believe things can be better. Yeah, like they have to realize that that's there. You can't tell them like, well, if you didn't think this is better, you wouldn't be here with me. I mean, you can, but it it just sparks a little something different. It kind of sparks that like whatever that is in that that human part of us that has a fire behind us. Yeah, I think when they believe that, that's when things really move forward. Yeah. yeah, There's
0: got to be some sort of disruption because the, the physical manifestation of them showing up is different than the manifestation. Beautiful. Miles showing off his disrupt shirt.
3: But the, <laughs> it's
0: different than the, um, you know, the mental uh, manifestation of how they're showing up. And I think that there oftentimes is this massive dichotomy that we have between what we tell ourselves and then what we're doing. And I absolutely love and appreciate your story and the challenges that you've been through. And I, I really respect and honor um, what you've been through. And the fact that you're not just teaching this, but you're living it and that you've been through that uh, those challenges, but it also speaks standing to this idea that we really don't know what's in front of us. And if we think that the best is behind us, there, there's nothing truthful about that. I mean, We we can live in crescendo if we choose to, right? Every part of it is a choice. Great great,
2: phrase, live in crescendo. I love that.
0: How did you? What did that look like for you? Talk a little bit about as you were going through some of these dark moments. How did you continue to uh, push forward and and?
2: Oh, this is actually something that um, Miles. I think you were mentioning earlier. At what point? Like, how do we in those small steps? How do we like find enough momentum in those small steps? Uh, Uh, Yeah. And I think this comes back to a really great point. And this is something that I, my husband has been hugely influential. He is the most just like steady bass drum of a person. It's mm. it's great for someone like me who's all over the place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the things that I really, really have loved just watching him do is that have you ever seen someone like go so all out on something and then just kind of crash afterwards?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: I think sometimes when people are trying to create something new, they put so much energy into like hyping themselves up to do it that they, they don't really actually have the energy to do the thing. So sometimes it's almost a game of like managing it, but this is going to sound really weird, like managing energy reserves. So I'll, I'll just uh, give yeah. this, it's an easy one. Dave is really, really strong. Um, we were training in powerlifting gym, gosh, it's probably eight or 10 years ago now. No, six, anyway, a while ago. Um, and he do, you know, really heavy set of like six or eight squats and people get like really, really fired up. And he was like, guys, chill. I got four more sets of this, Mm. which if you think about it, I think that's a really great approach to taking some of these small steps. Um, you know, the more you amp yourself up, even like the idea of creating like big energy, there's a difference between inherently believing that you can take steps forward, even if it's a little bit, a little bit of honest, real, authentic belief, I think is far superior than trying to like internally bloat yourself yeah with um I don't know if that makes sense so oh I totally
0: I, I really am resonating with what you're saying I you know years ago I used to do, have to amp myself up to go do things and then as I got better at doing whatever that was I didn't have to amp myself up anymore it was almost like I had to build up this energy puff up the ego a little bit to just go try mm-hmm. something whereas now I look at something that I don't know how to do well. And I'm like, well, I suck at that. But if I could take a step in the right direction, then I'm going to get a little bit better. And yeah. that's actually better energy for me than this whole, you know, fluff myself with a bunch of motivation. Yeah. 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 There's,
2: there's a phrase that I've been hanging on to lately. That's it's stay in it, whatever you're doing. Oh, I like that. Stay in it. Yeah. Um, right. so like, I'm getting ready to start contest prep soon. And every day, the day, as you get closer to the show, you kind of start looking forward to your one rice cake a couple times a day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, nah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, I yeah. know you're not. Yeah, I've been there. Way, you have a choice to go to your pantry and not delay gratification. Like basically, like the idea of being able to delay gratification is is the big thing. And at any given point, you can choose the easy way or you can stay in it. You can stay in the process. You can stay in the hard moment. And I think whether it's rehab, training, business ventures, relationships, marriages, I mean, anything, like they all require the ability to stay in power to stay in it. And so I think, especially in some of the, I I hate talking about my story because it sounds like super cheesy. I actually, like, I don't don't talk about it a lot. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, But I think just the ability to, if it means something to you, and then your actions should align with the, the value they place
0: on it. And that's just kind of an integrity thing,
1: I think. But that's it's not cheesy you know, at all. Yeah.
2: It's
1: I really not. I mean you, smiles. Know, <laughs> you, know, you know what it is is I think, you know, when you when you look at our society and, and it's funny because it's gonna be a paradox, people overthink, but yet they don't think.
0: Yes, totally. Yeah. Yep. And so
1: people, yep. and we're so busy looking for you know, the, the more complex thing, you know, I remember just trying to play piano years ago. I, it was, it was the most complex thing and it was so complex that it stopped me from just going and sitting down and learning how to fucking do it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Once, once
1: I sat down and start playing and started learning how to do things, I just thought I should have wasted a fucking lot of time yeah. thinking about how hard this is and how complex it is. And so when you say something, what you just said, it's, so oftentimes doing is that simple.
2: There's a big part of, I think, there. I can't remember what I was reading, but it talked a lot about um, anxiety around events or anxiety around um, like a, a project or a task or anything. Um, and the biggest thing you can do to reduce the anxiety of procrastination is uh, something,
3: literally yeah. anything.
2: Yeah. And I I've think it's, because it's just the locus of control. And Again, with what I do, being able to give a little bit of control back to people over their day and over their pain so that the pain's not driving the bus is like, that's a big thing.
0: Well, I think a couple of things, Danny, I want to unpack there. I mean, you talk about that you feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about your story because it it might sound cheesy, but the reality is that's your story. That's your truth, right? And I I, I, But I can also resonate with that because, like you, I've been through some different struggles and challenges over the years where I look at it, and I've hesitated to talk about those things. I've hesitated because I don't want to put it out there and, you know, bang my chest. I'm I'm not the guy that's like, look at me, look at me. Um, I tend to be fairly... Yeah, right. I I tend to be fairly pragmatic. And my message over the years has been, if I'm talking about a story of an experience that I've been through, it's just because that's my life. I've lived it and I can experience it. And I don't know anybody else's stories as well as I know mine. But I also don't want to be uh, the guy that's just, you know, jumping out there, looking at me, uh, I'm the best type of thing. So I can definitely resonate with that. Uh, But at the same time, it's a really powerful story. And I think something that people can uh empathize with and and i think that there are a lot of people who are in that pain or who have been through that pain that say wow that's that I, I i can empathize with her and it is great to know that there's a coach out there that's really been through some shit and that knows how to deal with that not just theoretically. the other
1: thing is if cheesy equates to your accomplishments can be fucking cheesy any day now put some more cheese, some more cheese. can i get extra cheese, on that? Extra cheese baby
0: <laughs> I want to go back to something you said earlier with delayed gratification, because I think that there is, um, you know, we talk about delayed gratification, I think in the health and fitness space often about um, the eating something right now that might not be health promoting uh, as as much as it is, uh, you know, just enjoyable, right? And I don't think there's good or bad foods. But I think that there are things that help to get us towards our goals. And there are things that probably move us in the opposite direction. So The delayed gratification concept we talk about quite a bit in nutrition, but I want to take it back to this idea of taking steps in the right direction versus just trying to make ourselves feel good in the moment. We live in a society that is structured around these consistent dopaminergic hits where we're trying to get gratification um and and sometimes that's in this idea of oh i need to have hope so that i can move forward in my progression away from my injury or whatever it is but yet if we just take a step in the right direction we we are truly delaying that gratification if i you know miles we were talking about this earlier miles came out of hip surgery and he starts doing the squats and he starts going for walks and he starts doing the lunges I don't know that if he sat there and just built himself up to make himself feel better in that moment, if that would be as powerful in the long run as if he just started doing what he did, which is, okay, I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start squatting because he's delaying the, the gratification of feeling good in the moment and feeling motivated. for actually doing the shit. That's going to make him feel better in the long run. Right? So talk a little bit more from a psychological standpoint when you're working with people, how do you help people to delay gratification so that they can have real results over time?
2: I think there's a meaning behind the gratification. Like, I think when people want this, at least the people that work with me, usually if there's a, a, a the gratification is tied to something important to that person. And mm-hmm. usually it is something along the lines of identity role confusion. Which, if you're familiar with that idea, it's kind of the phrase of "you are not what you do." Yeah. But a yeah. lot come and start to identify with "you are what you do," um, and so when you start to remove that ability, they no longer know what they do, um, and they will take any chance they can to like jump at that to kind of reclaim that part of their identity. Well, really, it, it may physically not be in their best interest. Let's say, for example, someone tears a hamstring and they feel really good. And they say, I want to go have another deadlift day. And they don't, you know, reach your hand because they're so antsy to get back to that part of themselves that they feel most capable of. And I think at the end of the day, so many people Great just point. want to be capable. Um, and I think a lot of people will find their fixes throughout the day that make them feel like they can be the partial superhero they want to be to get through their day. Like, I think we all need a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, so with regards to delaying gratification, I, I'm really really lucky. So many of my people are just really honest with me. They're, they're very open with their dialogue. And I think that that's probably one of the bigger parts of coaching and that the, the science of the PT and the science of the training, the science, of all that is, that can be applied to a lot of different things. And I think what really sets apart a great coach or a great clinician is the conversations they can have. Um, And when you can find out what that, tem- I'm going to call it a temptation, but that's a really bad word for it. But like that, that temptation, to want to kind of like jump back onto that thing rather than delaying gratification. When you can find out why and what that means to someone, again, that's an acknowledgement. And when people feel acknowledged, that thing they're trying to hang on to feels a lot less fragile. And mm. I think that's a big, way to kind of walk alongside people
0: but um yeah great point great perspective i never really thought about it like that that it is there's something deeper whatever that temptation is or whatever the gratification is that they're going after there's something deeper and i think if you understand what that deeper aspect is then that's where the healing uh can come i want to shift gears just a little bit danny um we were talking before we started the uh the recording about uh miles progression from his uh, hip surgery and you brought something up that i thought was really fascinating when relative to him uh getting in the stairs uh and and working through some stairs so miles if you want to walk through um what you were talking about and then i'd love to get your perspective on this danny because you you mentioned that there is a huge psychological component to how the body functions
1: oh you mean when just trying to climb the steps yeah um, So we we went out today, and there are seven steps in my apartment to get to the ground level. And I put my leg up on, and it felt like I had the strength to do it, but that strength was minimal compared to what was going on in my mind of thinking that I could snap or break the uh, prosthetic. But mm-hmm. I could actually hurt it, and so when I stepped, I, I it it didn't feel physical; it felt psychological. And the guy, the, the PT, physical therapist to me, he said, "I'm not going to force you to do it." He said, "But I can tell with by what you've been doing since we've been together, you're strong enough to do it. It's more psychological, and so we have to still we'll build when you get to the actual clinic." They have steps that are half the size and you can build towards that. He said, you'll probably do it in a day, but right now that's just psychological.
0: So why is so much of this psychological then? Walk us through it.
2: Well, I wonder, how does that make you feel like when he said it was psychological, logical? Cause I think some people hear that and they hear, oh, it's all in my head and it's a negative thing, mm-hmm. but I would have a different approach. I would just, how did that, I'm really curious. How did you feel hearing that?
1: Um, it, it it was a it was a weird feeling in a in sense that it's always interesting when somebody sees more of you than you see of yourself. So
2: those are big words right there.
1: yeah he he yeah. saw more because you know he's been working with me for two weeks. you know, he had me you know, like I said he saw me doing the squats, he saw me doing the lunges, he had me doing kicks. so he witnessed all of the different components. Of my rehabilitation, and so I guess in his mind he summed it up to the stairs should be easy, mm-hmm. and when I tried to do the stair, I put a little pressure on. I said, "This is Sada, I don't think I'm, I'm really ready off.
3: for that." Not, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what was wonderful about him is that he there was something about his manner. He mm-hmm. didn't come off like a drill sergeant. You can do this. Come on, you. He just he just it was it was almost a. a stated in a matter-of-fact way. He said, you could do this, but it is psychological. I've watched you do the other things. I'm not gonna force you to do it. We'll build you to it because once we get to the clinic, you'll see we've got the half steps and you can build up to it and it'll take you a day to get there, but you can do that. And his, you could do that. It didn't have the undertone of a challenge where I was gonna look at him and go, fuck you, I'm doing this. <laughs> it was just, you know, and I felt comfortable with. Mm. Okay, let's let's go to the clinic.
2: Did you feel seen? What's that? It almost sounds like you felt like seen in a way.
1: Yeah, mm. I felt seen. Yeah, yeah. He he honored what I was going mm. through, and the the cool thing about it is now that we're unpacking this, the cool thing about it was there was no there was no time constraint with him he re- realized like oh you know in another week you'll be fine so you know it's, it's like it's almost as if he had no sense of time mm-hmm. it's like okay you know what we'll do this you could do this but i'm not going to force you because next week you'll be in the clinic and you've got the little stairs and you'll build up to it and you'll be fine there so there was no urgency no drill sergeant and you know it, it psychologically it actually felt kind of comforting I was gonna say something like can put you at ease yeah, it put me at ease it put me at ease and you know in me, where you know Steve and I talk about this all the time, I'm always aware of when my ego gets in the way. Um, mm. I, I, I've practiced that a long time with having a, a son you know <laughs> when the, when to the let go, when to let go. It's like you won this war, this is fine um, I didn't feel pressed in my mind, my ego to go like, come on, you could do this. Because the way he framed it is next week, we'll get this.
3: Yeah.
1: And next Amen. week, there will be, there'll be progress. So there was nothing pressing. So I felt seen, felt comfortable, and also felt this is going to get
2: done. I bet you're going to walk into the clinic and you're probably going to master the stairs within like 30 seconds of being there. I, that's what i felt i was, <laughs> I was gonna, like just gonna put that out there
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i'm gonna look at him and go can i run home like hang on i'm just gonna check in and i don't even need the therapist can i just go try out the stairs in the corner real quick and They're gonna be like, uh, sure. yeah
0: i was gonna say you're probably gonna be skipping up two or three stairs you won't even need to do the uh, walking up well
1: <laughs> yeah. you know he came in and when he first came to my apartment he looked at all the books so he saw uh, the supple leopard books. And he said, he said, are you a trainer? I said, yeah, I'm a trainer. And I teach yoga. And he's like, Oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. For so you. You're probably his <laughs> dream client. <laughs> he,
0: he knows when you got Kelly Starrett on the, uh, on the bookshelf that you, you, you know, a thing or two. So Danny, talk about, <laughs> talk about the, uh, the psychological aspect of this, uh, when well, it comes to so. rehabbing.
2: I think what miles just said is literally like just the fact he felt safe and seen and felt like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be a big deal. I'm going to go do the thing later. Mm-hmm. Cause the more we like magnify something is like this big thing we have to conquer that's pressure. And some people do well under pressure. Um, a lot of people don't, <laughs> um, and most people put enough pressure on themselves to cave anybody. Um, so I think just from like the neuroscience, I took a couple notes while you were talking about it. So mind, um, um, our emotions and our pain are processed in so closely interrelated places of our brain. And our brain is so hardwired for survival that it is always going to take the option that's going to keep us the safest. Yeah. Interesting. So if the system, or if you've had pain with stairs in the past, people who, who listen to this, if you have pain with an activity, um gosh, I can visualize a back squat and I can start to like kind of almost feel where I tore my outer tendon. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an experience that gets saved almost as this like a neuro tag on our brain. So someone who, if you're someone who generally have stare has pain with stairs and you look at some stairs, you're probably almost preemptively, your brain is probably almost preemptively starting to organize, Hey, this is an event that leaves us feeling not great for survival. We're going to create this pain response. Mm-hmm. Pain science is a really, really interesting, very evolving, um, kind of field in terms of, we're very much looking at pain now as more of an output from the brain, um, as a result of all the input that it gets, and what I mean by the input is we have so many different types of receptors in our joints and our soft tissues, and really kind of everywhere, all get sent up to the brain. Brain kind of decodes it as like red, yellow, green light on a very macro scale, and on that yellow, red light, that's where pain is going to come. So a lot of times people feel like a mechanical sensation, like clicking or popping or things like that, which I'm sure you probably felt in your hip at some point.
1: So um, you mean while we were
2: doing the exercise like- today? No, uh, before your surgery, like the grinding or clicking?
1: Uh, you know- yeah, the, the clicking was the longest that I'd been through. And then the grinding later, yes.
2: Now, did you used to feel that clicking with certain activities? Uh,
1: you know what, it was not activities. It was it was mostly if if I sat on a bar stool, because you know how yeah. you sit in a bar, bar stools are pretty yeah. tall. So the angle wasn't actually 90 degrees from thigh to torso the angle was larger, so a 45 degree angle, and then I'd get up and then it would be that click. That you could probably preemptively
2: feel that click before you even started to move off that bar stool. Like you could oh, probably- it,
1: I would always pause yeah. knowing that, okay, here it comes. Here it com- And it didn't always come, but I would always pause I I would get off the bar stools a little slower
3: mm-hmm.
1: anticipating that little click.
2: Yeah, exactly. So our brain almost creates these like little hashtags in terms of our experiences. Um, I use that hashtag very loosely. Uh, Again, I'm giving a very like butchered version of like pain science, neuroscience right now. Um, But when these experiences are processed so closely together, um, physically in terms of location in our brain, you really do start to think about how much we're hardwired to preserve ourselves. And so If we're looking at the emotional component to pain, if you talk to anyone in business, they're going to ask about what's a business pain spot or that that gap, that's their their pain between where they're they want to be. It's not always a physical sensation. But I think that concept is very, very powerful for us in terms of our physical ability as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. I, I like how you talk about that. It's uh they're they're very closely related um you know in 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 the brain and um we do create these associations whether we're going into that movement and we anticipate movement and if we've had pain before i think we anticipate that movement uh and we try to move away from pain right that's part of the survival uh mechanism You, you mentioned earlier on in the podcast that hurt pushes you to do something different when you have pain you tend to do things that are a little bit different Um, You know, the the human body is a fascinating um, mechanism that moves away from pain to keep moving forward. And sometimes that means that we have to change the movement pattern to avoid the pain. What what are some ways that you help people to re-educate so that they're not moving away from former pain? Because like Miles is talking about, You know, he's not going to be in pain with some of the uh, movements or that he was doing before because the hip is completely new. So there's not going to be the same pain there, but the body and the brain remember what it used to be. So can you give our listeners an idea of what, what could they do if they've had pain in in the past? It's not there currently, but they're still stuck in this move away mentality. how, How can they start to break through that?
2: Maybe. um again on kind of a practical level even though i think there's there's a large component of the brain that's in, included with pain there's still a reason why the brain is giving that that output right now sometimes what well, i guess maybe a better way to say this is that the pain response from the brain isn't always an appropriate response and it's not always given an appropriate magnitude
3: mm.
2: so even Great if point. someone has maybe they shouldn't let's say someone has pain when they're going upstairs you still need to work on the proficiencies or the capacities of the tissue you still need to work on some of the motor control you still need to look at the stability you still need to look at uh, all the other components that are going to come into whatever the injured area is so if someone has pain in their hip with a back squat you're still going to want to look at core control you're still going to want to look at coactivation across multiple joints you're still going to want to look at um it was one of the, the foot foot pressure you still want to look at your ability to brace we want to look at the loading pattern, because if you load ipsilaterally versus contralateral, it's going to change the direction of like subtle rotation. Mm. So there's still these mechanical proficiencies that have to go into actually building into the other proficiency. And a lot of times if someone has pain, um, basically what the brain is hearing is there's a lot of little stuff that might be a little bit off. It still needs to be worked on. And so I think it's important not to negate that. Yeah. In mean, one of the, one of the kind of problems I have for lack of a better word with clinicians who are strictly down the pain science route is that you can't completely ignore the mechanical components. And I think if you're someone, you who know, I want to come back to your original question. If you're someone who is dealing with pain, generally one of the great solutions, really, really easy, get stronger. And yeah. it sounds really dumb yeah. and very simplistic, but while there are so many people who will overcomplicate it. And again, I, I love the complex stuff. Like if you get me talking about the rib cage, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, yeah. but, <laughs> but when it comes to just fixing the problem, it really does come down to it as simple as you can make it. And I think that's one of the things that I've really loved about working with Justin too. The guy's got a master's degree in atomic physics. He's brilliant. Yeah. him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. We joked about problem, that when problem, he was on. He's great. Yeah. Um, he's a, a business partner of mine, another project we're working on too. Uh, you can have all the information in the world, uh, but just because you have more information doesn't mean the solution has to be any more complex. So for most people, break it down, find the smallest magnitude of something you can do to improve with that, um, and lateralize. If you have pain going upstairs, try maybe holding on and going down. Um, you know, Start working on just play with it, be creative. Rather than thinking about the task, which is very much a binary can or cannot, break out of the binary and start kind of thinking a little bit more creatively, a little bit more like kind of an amoeba, more of a flux.
0: I love how you talk about that. There's, uh, you, you know, the body's going to continue to give the signals of pain. And so oftentimes that can be the fuzz, right? It can be the, mm-hmm. I mean, people nowadays don't understand what it was like when I was a kid and the TV would go out and then there's the, the, the fuzzy Black screen, white. miles, right? Yeah. The miles knows what I'm talking about, but there, there might yeah. be some uh, younger generation like, whoa. Uh, no, it's all on the phone,
2: but, but. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, uh,
0: the snow on the, on the TV, where it was like, and you just don't have that clear connection. And and sometimes that's what pain does because it sits in the background and it continues yeah. to just send these signals. And so I, I love what you're talking about. Don't ignore them, dig a little bit deeper and figure that out. But I also want to touch about yeah. what you said earlier about get stronger. I, uh, I dealt with some chronic pain and chronic issues, um, you know, joint issues over several years. And I, d- I finally saw a physical therapist that, that I, I just said, Look, I've been seeing so many different people. I've got a background in, in you know, corrective exercise. Uh, I don't understand what in the hell is going on. And he says, Well, look at you. Like y- you've atrophied because you haven't used those muscles to the point where of course, you're going to have a lot of pressure on those joints right now. And I said, well, I haven't done exercises to build those muscles because doctors and therapists have told me not to do that. He goes, so what the hell are you going to do now? And it was almost, it was one of those things where I thought, God, what have I been doing? Like I'm an expert in this. I'm supposed to know this stuff. And immediately afterwards, I went to the gym and I started training those areas that I had been avoiding. And I was in pain until I got stronger and I literally stayed in pain until I got stronger and stronger and stronger. And then as I got stronger, I have never had those issues again. And so I'm, I'm with you and cannot emphasize that enough from my perspective, my experience, the stronger you get, the less pain you will have because your joints, everything, all of your soft tissue just gets better when you get stronger. So absolutely love that.
2: I am so blown away that there are still clinicians out there telling people don't X, Y, Z, because we have yeah. so much freaking literature. Like we have so much evidence. It's inexcusable to say don't Yep. like that's not how the body positively damps, unless you're in an acute phase where the histology demands a tumor as tissue. Right. There, right. That's again, I want to come back to first principles of what's the tissue, what type of tissue, because it's going to heal and scar differently. So you have to know what you're looking at. We could literally talk for—I I mean, you just saw me get a little bit heated. We've talked for a long time about pain and tissue and how to go back to things, but it's crazy to me when I've got someone in person um and they have a lot of pain. And oh, I'll just use myself as an example. If I hurt, if I've got something that's jacked up, like my right hip still gives me some issues because I have a tendon that's not attached anymore. The best thing I can do—I'll walk in and I'll train, and I'll feel ten times better after training than before. Yeah, and. It's- Back pain is another great one where mm-hmm. I've had a um, herniated disc in over five and still do what I do. I just pulled 425 or eight reps last week. I'm wow. about 150 pounds. That's a pretty strong deadlift. Yeah. Um, and I'm still doing all these things. And it's not because I have any sort of special knowledge or anything other than I just show up and do the thing. And um, I think looking at what you can do is probably one of the best ways you can start to get some of that strength back but I'll go in and feel better after a session from a physical pain standpoint, because you're giving your body and your brain the input that says we have the muscles firing. When those muscles are firing, joints are stabilized. When joints are stabilized, brain's usually pretty happy. Yeah. So I, I, I can't, I can't handle the can't narrative that people put on any position, any provider that puts a can't on someone. Occasionally the rare instance, maybe it's there, but it just, we have so much literature and evidence to the contrary at this point it's just negligent to put that on anybody
3: yeah i agree and how, and I, well so they've got to continue to
2: educate it. right yeah
0: i think there's a lot of parallels in life too um you know when you think about we we get better when we lean into where the pain is right we get better when we keep moving and that's why i've always Believed that uh, a person's growth and evolution really starts with the body. If you're leaning into the work that you have to do, and you continually do that despite pain, eventually the pain's going to go away. It's just like if you're uncomfortable in a relationship or you're uncomfortable in business because you don't know what the hell you're doing. As soon as you lean into that, and you start to, uh, you know, put some work and effort into it. You, you get better at those things, and then the pain starts to go away. I, I I'm, I think that the the gym. And training uh, is a metaphor for life. And I believe that as you get stronger in the gym, you will get stronger in life and you learn things that you just can't learn from a book. You can't learn the concept unless you put the time and the effort in because the stronger you get, the more stable you are, the more stable you are, the more consistent you will be. Uh, There's just so many, so many parallels. Well, Daniel, uh, we're we're coming up on some time here, but I want to make sure that we run through a few other questions with you, because I think that what you have been through is really uh, fascinating. I want to get a a few questions uh, away from PT and pain and whatnot. And I just want to focus a little bit more on you. Um, One thing that uh, you've learned in the last three years that excites you the most, what would that be? We
2: don't know the future. That's amazing. How (laughs) great. do I know what's
0: next. Yeah. It's actually really exciting to think about.
2: It's a blessing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's very exciting. What, what is something that you know that most people don't and you wish that they did?
2: How to make the best chocolate
0: cookies on the planet. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm, you think
2: I'm kidding. I will send them out to y'all. <laughs> I
0: was just going to say, I am texting you my address and I am I'm, I'm waiting for that. Uh, why why do people uh, tell other people
3: not to move when they're in pain?
2: They're not sure what else to say.
3: Great answer. I think.
0: What is, uh, what, what's been one of the darkest days of your life? And then also what was one of the best days?
3: That's a, that's a hard one.
2: Um wow, I actually don't know how to answer those. I have some reflection to
0: do. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me throw this out there. Um it, we talked earlier in the episode that that uh, we're going to have you back on. And so this is where I'm going to do a plug for our listeners for the next episode that we have Danny back on with. We're going to do an ask a PT question and answer. So, um as you're listening to this episode, I'm sure some things are sparking inside of you. And you're curious what a physical therapist who can also deadlift. uh, What did you do today? 400? I did
2: 425 for eight last week, 425
0: for eight repetitions. So for most of the guys out there, she is way stronger than you. So ask a PT is what we're going to put on to the next episode. (laughs) So send us those questions now. And we will start to bank those for the next episode. Uh, Danny, what is one thing right now that you are most proud
3: of?
2: just really really i really hope that people listening actually take up those questions i'm totally deviating from the one i'm proud of i i there's so much possibility for y'all and i really wish that whatever you're dealing with whether it's pain a police system whatever it is you're dealing with that you've been told is prohibiting you even if it's self-told please ask about that please awesome um yeah
0: okay so you're not getting away from the what are you most proud of though what 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 are you most proud of right now?
2: Um, full transparency. Twenty twenty two was a year I just fell flat on my face. Um, <laughs> everything.
0: That's something to be proud of.
2: But I'm I am proud of that. I allowed myself to fail in a lot of things.
0: Nice. I think that that is uh, great because that means you tried some new things. You tried things that were probably outside of your comfort zone. Uh, Danny, who's inspiring Wait, you right now?
2: my
0: husband and my coach, Justin, Justin Harris is awesome. Awesome. Um, Last question I've got for you. So at evolve, we believe that uh, personal growth and evolution happens over time. Uh, It doesn't have to happen fast. In fact, it most likely doesn't. But uh, people need to start with one simple action. If you were to give our listeners one simple thing that you wish they could start today, that would guide them on their personal evolution, what would it be?
2: why
3: and why is that
2: if you're not doing if you're doing something without conviction you're not going to be able to sustain it you have to know that conviction in order to have the staying power to stay through the tough times because things are not i mean you guys know no matter how much you love something there's going to be a day you hate it
0: <laughs> yeah anybody that tells you just find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life is full of shit because uh, <laughs> there are bad days and there are challenging days and there are days where you don't want to do what you're doing and so uh, the the why gives you that long-term purpose well La martina uh thank you so much for an amazing conversation yeah,
2: man, that was really interesting that was really very very fascinating. You are fascinating you're just sitting here dropping different types of physics i was not ready for that at 9 on <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for it now
0: <laughs> yes it, 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 the, I think one of the most consistent uh, pieces of feedback that I get when we finish up a show people message me and they're like oh my gosh Miles I love that guy in fact <laughs> I think you're engaged to one of our episode uh, guests that lives in Saudi Arabia right Miles did <laughs> you do a, that, our first online or uh, podcast episode proposal
1: uh, oh, uh, Irina
0: yeah yeah.
3: Irina, Irina Irina you right now no
0: no, no no it is a joke, joke. <laughs> it is a joke they oh, just probably through, really miles miles assignment. proposed to her um and uh, I said well you're arena you're going to have to move from Saudi Arabia to Oberlin Ohio now <laughs> or, or miles cuz miles can't move away from his son so well, what a, what a great conversation. And on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, uh, Danny LaMartina for joining us and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Danny, what is the best way for people to follow your personal evolution and get in contact with you?
2: You can uh, find me, you Google my name, my column in Elite FTS as well as the website Team should pop up. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at, at Danny LaMartina DBT or email
0: me Danny at Awesome. And we will put those in the show notes. So if you don't uh, want to write that down, go to the show notes and you'll be able to click through and get to Danny from there. And hey, remember folks that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve podcast follow us on your favorite podcast app and if you haven't done so please give us a rating as an independent podcast it really helps us get more reach this podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves please check out our coaching services at evolve cast.com or pick up some of our evolve merch until next time
3: keep evolving